Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. That, of course, uh, will take you back to last year's Coca-Cola Craven Week when Siakolisi Springbok captain recently appointed uh, went to encourage some of the youngsters uh, from Power Boys and ended up singing with them. And uh, this is what is called Iquicho. And when one listens to this and, and sees that it's finding its way into the mainstream of rugby, one then begins to understand why it was that during all those years of sporting isolation, many South Africans looked at the All Blacks and said, that is a team I can support. That is a team where some of the players look like me. That is a team that seems to be more inclusive of different cultures. Just why are the All Blacks so loved? Well, we spoke to uh, Peter Bills. He's a celebrated rugby writer and he talked to us about his new book called The Jersey and why this team has been so successful. It's the home of the Afropolitan, Kaya FM 95.9, talking to uh, Peter Bills. Now, for those of you who tune in to uh, Jenny Chris Williams every Saturday morning from 9 to 11, you will have heard this conversation before as we reviewed his latest offering, The Jersey, a long-serving rugby journalist who has ties to South Africa, and this time he goes behind one of the most successful sports teams, especially of the modern age, the All Blacks, and explains just why the culture has, how the culture has influenced the successful rugby team. Peter, thank you so much for talking to Kaya FM. My pleasure. Let's start at the beginning. I mean, I read the book and as I was reading it, you go right back to how the country New Zealand was formed, immigrants coming from, uh, from the UK and um, the islanders and how they formed this nation, which in all its difficulties in, in forming seemed to be perfectly suited for the game of rugby. Um, in, in many ways, I guess that kind of explains why rugby has, has flourished in, 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 a, in a country with such a small population. But from your, from, your, from your understanding and as you detail it in the book, does that make them, is that what makes uh, New Zealand, the All Blacks, so successful, the particular history of the country? Well, I think there's no doubt that it's a, a major contributory factor. I, th- I don't think I could stand here and say uh, for a moment that it's the secret behind the All Blacks. The truth is there are many secrets behind the All Blacks, but there is equally no doubt in my mind that that tough background, those hard times in which their forefathers literally carved out a living in a new nation on the other side of the world, remain in the genes of the guys you see today playing playing rugby football. They're people who learnt in adversity how to handle tough times, tough things, how to solve problems on the hoof, as it were. And if you translate all those qualities into rugby football, 
you'd have to say that they're still absolutely relevant today as they were all those years ago. Players need to make decisions on the hoof. I mean, a, a year or two back, we had the example of an extraordinary incident at uh, Twickenham when England played Italy, devised, of course, by the brilliant uh, Brendan Fenter of, of uh, mm-hmm. the Springboks at mm-hmm. the time, who decided that it would be a smart idea to have no rucks and therefore players could stand where they wanted to, wouldn't be offside. And we had this amazing uh, perplexity of the England team who appealed to the referee to do something about it. And the referee said, a uh, Frenchman, Roman Poit, he said, but I am the referee, not the coach. And <laughs> it's nothing not changed yeah. until England got back in the dressing room at half-time and asked the coach what to do. Now, what I'm saying here and, and, and argue in the book is that You'd never get that in a New Zealand team because players would draw each other around and say, right, we've got a problem, we're going to fix this, this is how we do it. And they would have fixed it. Other players in countries like England were floundering because they don't have that history of making decisions and confronting adversity and getting past it. And I guess what you're talking about is an, is not unique to rugby, but what makes the great sports teams great in general, it's that ability to, as you say, make decisions on, on off the cuff and uh, solve a problem as it presents itself on the field of play. But specifically when we talk now about the All Blacks, who of course have a great following in South Africa, given the very particular histories of South Africa when it comes to exclusion uh, from professional sport, especially of, uh, of black people in particular. You, I, I like the, the the story you tell of uh, of Richie McCaw and how he takes that moment to sniff the jersey and kind of replay um, what made him fall in love with the jersey in the first place. Why do you think Richie McCaw and the like have had such a global appeal, the All Blacks, uh, where they enjoy following around the world from people who don't even watch rugby? Well, I think in recent times, I'd I'd answer that question with one word, humble. They are humble people. Now, that's not to say they always were. If you go back to the 90s and a certain time and a certain era, the word arrogant would have fitted them best. They were perceived as arrogant, and even New Zealanders knew that had to change. It did, and someone like Richie McCaw personified that. When I sat down with Richie to do this book, initially he didn't want to do the conversation, he didn't want to get involved because he felt his life had moved on and he didn't want to keep looking back to rugby. I managed to persuade him with the help of a few people, but when he sat down, he was the most humble guy that you could ever have met, and he said, I'm very happy to help in reality, and we had about an hour and a half, two hours together. And he told me all sorts of things. And I think that attitude epitomizes the All Blacks of this era. Someone else who is greatly like that, of course, is Dan Carter. Mm -hmm. Conrad Smith is another now retired uh, Conrad, of course, but a super player and a wonderful human being. And I think all these people uh, provide the fantastic role models for youngsters, no matter what country you're talking about, whether it's South Africa, New Zealand, England, they are humble people. They do their best to interact with, uh, with their supporters and followers. And I think it's a winning combination. The fans get a lot out of it. And also, of course, the, uh, the players do themselves, as, as they've said. So it doesn't take a lot. It's, none of this is rocket science, but there are still, in my view, too many teams in the world of rugby who seem to be aloof from this sort of thing. And I think they misunderstand the value of it.
Yeah, certainly. I definitely agree with you there. It's the home of the Afropolitan, Kai FM 95.9, talking to long-serving rugby journalist Peter Bills about his latest book, The Jersey. It chronicles New Zealand rugby, goes right back in time to the 1800s and ends up with uh, the team that won the last Rugby World Cup. And before New Zealander won that Rugby World Cup, uh, I remember watching a documentary on a long-haul flight about... um, about how the disappointment of losing out uh, in uh, 2007 had haunted them, uh, had haunted the New Zealanders when South Africa went on to win the Rugby World Cup in France. Um, at, at that time, South Africa had very been had had very much been a nation where we believed that the Springboks were just as good um, as uh, the All Blacks. And um, but in, in in the last certainly in the last uh, five years um, under Heineken Mayer's tenure and even maybe slightly before that towards the end of um, uh, of Peter de Villiers's tenure, uh, the Springboks have fallen quite a way behind uh, the All Blacks. Uh, you've covered the game for a long time. You were you were here for the 1995 Rugby World Cup. Do you have a view on how South African rugby can once again catch up to the All Blacks, whom you know so well? Yeah, I think um, the first thing they have to do is match the pride of wearing that all-black jersey. Somehow it's become almost unique in the world. There are teams that obviously have great pride in playing, and they would tell you that, and they'd say, no, no, I'm very proud of the jersey. But then, of course, the problem is that as soon as somebody, say, from a club in England or France, says, look, I'll pay you hundreds of thousands of euros or pounds a year, they're on the plane. Whether they can play for South Africa again or for another country again, they've rather forgotten. I think South Africa can close that gap with New Zealand, but one of the first things they're going to have to do is reinvigorate that fanatical pride they had in wearing the Springbok jersey. This is not impossible, but... They have to do that within the context of and the, the, the admission and, uh, of the fact that they are going to have many of their best players, if not all of them, playing overseas. This is a key factor for economic reasons. And let's face it, in a, in a game as physical as this game is now today, you cannot blame any player anywhere if he says, look... I've been given an unbelievable opportunity financially to play in another hemisphere. It'll secure my family for life. I mean, what do you do? Do you turn around and say to the people, look, clear off, I'm not interested? It's very difficult. But I don't think this this needs to mean that South Africa can never win the World Cup again. They can, and I'm sure they will. But one thing they're going to have to do is is bring together when they do meet up and when they do plan for these major tournaments it's this fierce pride that they always had and not just talk about it but by going out and demonstrating it in all manner of ways yeah and and you're right i guess we do see that from time to time but it's not always consistent we see it when the springboks take on the all blacks as we did in that wonderful game last year where the Springboks uh, came back from the death, but it is not always on display. How have the All Blacks got it right? Um, You go into real depth about the club rugby structures in New Zealand and how um, rugby is is so alive and is being played uh, 
um, at a very young age out in the farming communities. But you also speak about the challenges of uh, the modern world and, and the balance between um, um, players playing at the unions and ex-players giving back and, 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 and running some of these uh, smaller rugby clubs. How are they getting it right to have this constant conveyor belt of players coming through wanting to play for New Zealand uh, in the face of a modern world that says uh, here's however many millions to play in France or in England. What can we learn from them? I think um, where it all really begins is undoubtedly at the schools and this is incidentally a factor that I link with South Africa. I mean, in South Africa, there are some fantastic rugby-playing schools, uh, schools that are nurturing the talents of these young people to play the game in the future. That is a highly positive sign for South Africa. But I think also the, 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 the structure in New Zealand goes beyond that. You have this uh, considerable sort of uh, groundswell, if you like, of people going to clubs, going to schools, matches, going to watch the All Blacks. And you have a, a great interest in the game that is shared by all the population. It's like a plague out there, frankly. It, it almost sort of runs rampant through the whole of society. Now, I think it's more difficult in South Africa for that to be the case for obvious reasons. There are sections of the community that are not traditionally rugby mad, and there probably never will be. Soccer is the number one sport, and there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. But as I say, I think that, that it's up to those administering the Springboks to try to get the links as close as they can with the schools, with the clubs, and in this case, of course, with the uh, super rugby outfits. They have to work hand in hand and make sure that they're extracting the absolute best. So that at the moment, a guy appears in grey colleges, first 15, who looks a genius, well, is the Springbok coach aware of him or is he, are they planning special coaching for a kid like that? Because it all goes down to that level. as though sometimes the tail is wagging the dog and that the unions have more power because obviously the, they pay the, the, the players' salaries. But I guess that's part of a, a, a longer debate. Peter Bills joins us on the line. He's talking to us about his latest book, The Jersey. Really a good book if you want to understand New Zealand rugby and if you want to understand what makes the All Blacks so good. They have wonderful support in South Africa, especially when they play in Cape Town at Newlands. Always enjoy fantastic support. The book... In a nutshell, Peter, I guess a nutshell maybe is not the right uh, description because it is quite a quite a lengthy book, um, but it really does does get down to the details. How long did it take you? Was this a book that was essentially written over a lifetime because of all your travels back and forth to uh, the land of the long white cloud? Well, it's a good point you raise because I think that certainly perhaps the idea of it came from that. I first went to New Zealand in 1975 and in those days... I mean, it took about five weeks to get there, and uh, <laughs> but, uh, when you got there, the place was just awash either with rain or with alcohol, people swilling beer. This famous <laughs> six o'clock beer cut-off when everybody had to sort of down their drinks, and that was the end of it. So the place was awash in the last hours before the pub shut. So New Zealand has, has certainly figured largely in my life, but I think the, the idea came from just wanting to understand more and explain this this culture of excellence that they have 
And they have a lot of advantages that other countries in the world do not have. I mean, for instance, as I mentioned earlier, they don't have this this attraction to many of their, their young people of clubs like Manchester United and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Paris Saint-Germain and all these great club, football clubs of Europe. That is a distraction in many countries and it certainly weakens the, the core base of rugby. In New Zealand, rugby is number one and frankly, I think it always will be. So the idea came from that. It took me three years overall to conceive uh, and then write the book. I spent about five months living in New Zealand. I interviewed nearly 100 people for the book. Um, and I'm not just in New Zealand either. I mean, in South Africa, I spoke to people like Victor Matfield, Brendan Fenter, of course, great people like this. And uh, they were hugely helpful to, to, to me to sort of understand and explain their view and what they thought of this New Zealand culture. So it's certainly been the, I'd say, the most ambitious book I've ever done. And it's up to people who read it to make their judgment on whether it works. I hope they, they, if they do read it, I hope they'll enjoy it. A parting shot then, Peter. Let's say I go back to New Zealand, but New Zealand in the context of South Africa. For, for a South African rugby lover, the 1995 World Cup final remains uh, one of the greatest games of rugby he or she will have ever watched. And uh, you, um, at the time, we understand, got an opportunity to interview uh, late former state president Nelson Mandela. How do you remember that 1995 Rugby World Cup final? I had a, a wonderful opportunity and I sat down with... Uh, your, your late president, a magnificent man. I went to his home in um, Houghton in Johannesburg and I had uh, about three quarters of an hour with him. And then he, um, he met uh, my family also. Very, very special human being, not an ordinary run-of-the-mill politician whatsoever and a wonderful human being. How did you manage but, that, Peter, That uh, to get 45 minutes with Matiba? Well, I, I knew somebody who was pretty close to him at the time and I was uh, working on a on a book at the time and he agreed that he'd write a a forward for it so I met him through that and we talked about other things in rugby and we discussed sport he told me about his time sort of even when he was in Robin Island they they knew of course when the Lions came and were aware of what was going on and uh, he, he talked memorably about those times he really did Oh yeah, that's uh, that, that's wonderful. And and of the 1995 Rugby World Cup, what are your memories of the game itself? Oh, I think it was a quite extraordinary occasion. Of course, it was so much more than just a game of rugby. I mean, it was literally an amazing occasion, um, the like of which we shall never see again. Frankly, it was the birth of a new nation. It was the freedom of a new nation. The shackles had been removed, and what an exciting time! I mean, no rugby match could ever. Uh, rival such excitement frankly in a, in a country's history as that but that final went pretty close to it yes. you had all the dramas and everything and the, the way the game swung this way and that very special occasion Peter thank you so much for sharing some of your memories with us and we'll direct all Afropolitans to have a read uh, of the jersey really a wonderful book for sports lovers and rugby lovers in particular who want to understand a culture of excellence i'd even go as far as to say for those who love great sports teams in general think of the chicago bulls team of the mid 90s uh, think of uh, the barcelona team of uh, maybe what uh, eight years ago this is one that ranks right up there if not one of the very best uh, the all blacks one of the best sports teams ever thank you so much for talking to kaya fm Oh, thank you. Great to have a chat about those times and about special memories and uh, very many thanks indeed to you.
Thank you, thank you. The Home Straight. The Home Straight. Kaya FM 95.9. Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Visit kayafm.co.za for more.